Now this is the second week in a series that I've titled From Here to There. And last week we really emphasized what the last three years have been like, how we got from 2020 to 2023, because it was in March of 2020, three years ago this month, that the pandemic began and all of the turbulence that came along with that in our politics and our culture and our social structures. And, and um, we said last week that we're kind of emerging <laughs> We're emerging as the whole world is healing, and we wanted to share with you a state of the church, and so we gave you a green little brochure that talked about some of our challenges and some of our opportunities. Now we gotta lift up our eyes into the fields that are white under harvest, as we heard those words from Jesus last week from John 4. So if you haven't gotten one of those little green brochures, weren't here last week, you go to calvarywestlake.org and download it as a PDF. It's the little brochure that is uh, the state of the church. That's the state of Calvary, where we are. And then, we talked about now we're here and we've, we've come to this place with those challenges and realities and, and with the opportunities God's bringing our way, which are, we're, the opportunities are coming our way so fast. We haven't felt this in over a decade here in terms of doors opening and opportunities to minister to families like those you've seen here on the stage uh, this morning. And uh, we then started to talk about, but now as we go from 2020 from here to there, that there is our 2030 vision that we all embrace together as the brothers and sisters in Christ who call Calvary our home. We'll still, of course, be making disciples who live in love like Jesus, sharing the good news with others so they can become disciples too. But we talked in our vision 2030 about how that's going to look in these next seven years, as we talked about it last fall. And if you don't know that, that's available also on our website at calvarywestsake.org, a little magazine there called our Calvary 2030 Vision. And Calvary 2030 is available for you. You can look through that and hear our heart of the things we think that we need to be and how we need to be shaped between now and then in our world today. So here we are, we're at 2023, we've got challenges and huge opportunities. God always raises opportunities and then provides the resources. That's just God's pattern. I wish it was the other way. I wish he raised all the resources and then said, here are the opportunities. But he always wants us to trust him and walk by faith. So here we are from 2023 moving to 2030, and maybe the path will look something, you know, like this, where we'll go from here to there. That makes sense. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But how many times in your life does the plan you have work out that way? Uh, Probably we get to 2030, we'll look back and it's gonna look something more like this in our journey together, right? And we're gonna trust God along the way and and God will stir stuff up. And I'm gonna talk to you this morning about from here to there when God stirs stuff up, kind of part two of the state of the church and, and talk to you from a text of scripture found in Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 to 38. If you wanna go there in your Bibles, go there on your mobile device. When God stirs stuff up, now here we are in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, and we read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. So he's traveling everywhere. And what's happening? Well, he's teaching in their synagogues. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Well, guess what's happening? People are hearing this good news. They're, they're, you know, in the ancient world, to have somebody healed was amazing. So they're having having. This, this miraculous outpouring of God and they're being drawn to Jesus but they don't know what it means. They're confused and the crowds are gathering. They're following him from village to village. God is stirring stuff up. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This word compassion, we would say, you know, his heart was moved for them. Actually, the literal word here in Greek is his bowels were moved for him, for them. That's an odd way to say it. In the ancient world, they believed our emotions were here, not here. 
Can you imagine the Valentine's Day cards back then? The shape on the front cover. But what it speaks of is a deep feeling for them. This verb, compassion, is used 12 times in the four Gospels. Eight of the times it's about Jesus himself having compassion on people. The other four times it's Jesus telling a story of someone who had compassion for someone else. Why does he have compassion? Because they were harassed and helpless. This word harassed means on the inside they have anxiety, they're disoriented. Some of you, some stuff has happened in your life. Some things have gone on that are disorienting and it's, it's causing anxiety on the inside. You're anxious, you're all stirred up. For some of you that's a chronic situation you deal with. But he looks at them and he says, man, these people are stirred up on the inside. God's stirring something up, but they, they, they're just disoriented. They're, they are anxious in this world. And then it says, and helpless. This word now doesn't speak about what's going on on the inside. This word speaks about what's going on on the outside. Maybe it was the Roman oppressors who, were, who had Israel under its thumb at the time, but, but they're feeling pressure. They, they feel pressure from the outside. They're being overwhelmed from the outside, and they're all all disoriented and and stirred on the inside. He's moved with compassion for them. He sees them like sheep without a shepherd. So he turns to his disciples. He says, look at all these people. God's stirring up this movement. People are showing up. I'm encased in human flesh, and we're going to minister to these people. He says, he turns to his disciples, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The opportunities are huge, but the resources are low. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Guys, pray. There's no evidence directly that they prayed between this, the end of chapter nine, and the opening of chapter 10, but in chapter 10, they become the answer to their own prayers. He sends them out to spread the good news, to preach the good news of his kingdom, to teach in the synagogues, to heal all manner of disease, and sickness, they turn the world upside down as they become an answer to their own prayers and become the resources for the harvest. I wanna share with you just a few thoughts about what we do when we, we know that God is stirring stuff up, whether we like it or not, it's stuff he's allowing that is uncomfortable or it's stuff he's bringing that is a blessing. When God is stirring stuff up, what do we do? Number one, look for the clarity of his hand in the uncertainty of your world. There's a lot of uncertainty in this world. There's a lot of messiness. And I'm not just talking about the world out there. I'm talking about in your home, with your family, where you work, maybe in pockets of the church, and there's uncertainty, there's messiness, there's things that are uncomfortable. So what do you do in that messiness? Some of us just let it overwhelm us. I've gotten to the point that I check the news like once a day, and then I I step back. (laughs) Because if you follow all that online, you are gonna be crushed. But what you do, the messier your life gets, your world gets, look for God's hand. Because I can guarantee you this, just like you see in Matthew 9, God is at work in your world. Last week I talked about how we've had dozens of people come to Jesus as Savior since the first of the year. We've had over 70 people baptized since the first of this year, 2023. We've had over 4,000 people get into our database by visiting or being a part of our ministries. And that doesn't include the ones who just show up and never trigger anything to get in the database. 
God is bringing opportunities to us. We've got to lift up our eyes like we talked about last week and see and seize the opportunities and the harvest God is bringing. God is at work not just in your world, in your life, but in your church, in our community. And I had people uh, email me this week, and I loved it because they're saying, Pastor, you didn't talk about some of the stuff going on in the world and in our culture where God is really at work last week. You, you just talked about stuff at the church, and it's a two-part series. <laughs> I've been holding on to some things for part two. As a matter of fact, some folks kind of helped me when they were writing me saying, do you know this, do you know this? And I, I can't tell you everything that's going on in our world, but can I share a few things that God has been stirring up in our world? Let's just take a streaming show that is now in season three called The Chosen, telling the life of Christ, that is now being translated in different languages, is going all over the world, and they report tens of thousands of people have made first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. That's God at work in our world. Now, some people will say, well, I didn't like how in episode six of season two, they portrayed this. I get it. I get it. Do you know what Paul said? When Jesus is preached and people come to Jesus, no matter what goes on, I'm just gonna praise God. God is at work through a streaming show. God is at work. Then, if you have been paying attention to what's going on in our world. On February 9th, in a little town called Wilmore, Kentucky, something happened, an outpouring of God. At a university called Asbury University, there was a chapel service that day. Some students decided to stay. They stayed all day. They had a continuous worship service that kept going and kept going. It became an outpouring of God. It spread to other campuses. God is at work in Gen Z, those who are in college right now. Now let me tell you this about Asbury University and the little town of Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury University, if you take the undergraduate students, the graduate students, the faculty and the staff, this Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky has no more than 2,000 people with everybody who calls that their place of work or where they go to school. The town of Wilmore, including most of those people, is no more than 6,000 people. As this revival continued for weeks, and this outpouring of God continued for weeks, and young people giving their lives to Christ in, in, in the wholeness of everything, 50 to 70,000 people started showing up in Wilmore, Kentucky. To the point it became a safety concern. They had to say, okay, we gotta spread this off this campus. And people have written me and emailed me and said, Pastor, when are you gonna talk about this? What do you think it is? Is it this kind of great awakening? I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's doing, but I know this about that. God is at work in the uncertainty of our world. If you were here last week, Carrie Job talked about how as she travels, she sees God doing something coast to coast in the middle of the country from the east to the west. God is at work. The He Gets This campaign that's caused some controversy, even among Christians, being critical of it, being paid for particularly by one family who'd been putting a lot of money in politics. I have friends who were directly involved in this, and this family said they were tired of supporting politicians, and they decided to pour something into something and be focused on Jesus. They have now seen tens of thousands of people come to Christ through the He Gets Us campaign. That's a great thing. When Jesus is proclaimed and Jesus is pointed to, that's a good thing. Some of you have gone and seen the Jesus Revolution movie. It's a great movie. 
It tells the story of the Jesus people in the late 60s and early 70s. It's, it's about how Chuck Smith reached out to a generation that was being pushed out of the church and, and the Calvary Chapel movement was started. I feel like I should pause here and say, for those of you who think you're attending a Calvary Chapel, you're not. Sorry if I'm disappointing you, but Calvary Community Church is not one of the Calvary Chapels. Now, we have great friendships with them and this church was sparked about the same time. And this story is an incredible story of how God worked and how God is working. And those who made the movie are reporting there have been thousands of people now in its theatrical release. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's about how God is at work in our world in some of the craziest of times and the deepest of divisions back in the 60s. God did something then afresh, and God is at work now. Many of us we're paying attention to Monday Night Football, January 2nd, when a young 24-year-old football player took a hit, a player for the Buffalo Bills, playing in Cincinnati against the Bengals, takes a hit, and he goes down. They stopped the game. Matter of fact, they suspended the game, never started it up again. Players surrounded him, people surrounded him. The next day, a sports announcer live on the NFL Network stopped and prayed for DeMar Hamlin, for his recovery. He's recovering now, and they believe it's gonna be a full recovery. But the world stopped. I've had many people tell me they were flipping channels and came across it, people watching it. There was one man several weeks ago said to me, you know, when I noticed that, I said to myself, I had forgotten God in my life. There is a God out there who is involved in these kinds of things. And he said, I'm here today, Pastor, because of what I saw in people praying on television for that man. Our world is crazy. There's a lot of weirdness. There's a lot of stuff I don't like. Sometimes I think I should have been born three generations ago and I would have really enjoyed life. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'm really thrilled to be here right now when God is at work in some incredible ways. Can I even bring it down to, to even what's going on right here at Calvary? We had... Uh, we have our adventure weeks where in the summer kids can come from like eight to five elementary age kids and they have a day camp and we run it for like eight weeks in the summer, five days a week and kids can come multiple weeks or just one week and, and as many of you have taken advantage of that as families, it's great ministry to our community. And in recent years we've included kids with special abilities. We've gotten a buddy for them. Those who have special abilities, we love to call them our VIPs, very important people, our VIPs. And we get a buddy for them that works with them if they're needed through the day and it's a great ministry. It's an incredible ministry. And in California, there are these regional centers that try to help coordinate the care and needs of those with disabilities throughout their lives and coordinate state funds as well as connect nonprofits and for-profits to help families affected by a disability and individuals. Our regional center here, the Tri-County Regional Center, heard so much about what was happening with special abilities kids they initiated a conversation with us to say, what you're doing is so important, could you take more families and we will pay you to take those families. We said, here's what we teach, here's who we are. They said, you're doing such a great job. If the families are comfortable, we're comfortable with it, we will pay you to take more kids. So we opened it up to more. Even they're giving us an opportunity to minister to teenagers with this similar program. So we're raising up staff and we're raising up volunteers. And we opened up, and we thought we might have a dozen that would apply to have their kids in this AW Plus, as we're calling Adventure Weeks Plus. And 51 families are gonna be interviewed to put their kids into this that we did not expect. 
That's God at work. We're not making this stuff up. God is at work. February 26th here at Calvary was a special day in our early childhood ministry. It's our zero to about four, five, just before they go into kindergarten. And um, a lot of the little ones you saw up here, of course, were part of that. And on February 26th, we had our uh, adoption day for Bible buddies. These are teddy bears we gave. And our team said, take a children's Bible like the beginner's Bible that Zonervan puts out. And they, our team gave a reading plan for each night for a number of weeks. And they said, we're going to give each of your kids, and we gave out 150 teddy bears, each of your kids a teddy bear. And then at night, you read your children's Bible to your child, and they get to bring their Bible buddy to experience the Bible reading with the little teddy bear, to engage the whole family and let the kind of relax and let parents read the scriptures to their kids with the Bible buddy, the teddy bear. 150 Bible buddies went out. Parents are doing that. And can I just read to you a couple of emails our early childhood ministry director, Elena White, got from a few parents. One mom, Christina, writes, what a wonder- Hi, Elena, what a wonderful program the Bible Buddies is. I love how you found a way to bring the mission of the church to everyone, even these little ones. My son has really been loving it and asked for just one more story about three times each night. It's the most amazing thing to see my child so hungry for the word of God, and I pray that he continues it through the rest of his life. Here's another mom writing Elena. This mom's name is Laura. Actually, this was Laura who was up here, and I said, pay attention, I'm gonna be telling their story. The first day, Elena, the first day I got done with work early, I got to watch the three kids with their bears, Winter, Crystal Empire, and Hot Dog. That's what they've named their three Buddy, Bible buddies, sitting around daddy asking for another story. It's been so precious to hear them tell me the stories after work. My heart is full as a mom. Another mom named Amanda writes to Elena, it's going really well. We already had the beginner Bible, so we started running away. And tonight, Brooks, our son, actually grabbed Cooper, his Bible buddy bear, and started reading with him on his own. This was a fantastic idea to incorporate our little ones into Bible studies with the rest of the family. Even our older girls are getting in on the readings. Thank you. And then the, the, the family that was up here and named their bears Winter, Crystal Empire, and Hot Dog. Monday night, their dad was, uh, Eric was uh, gonna read the story to them with their Bible buddies. They got their bears, Winter, Empire, Crystal, and Hot Dog. And um, he was going to read a story, and they said, tell us the story we heard yesterday at church about the woman who was so sick, and she went and touched the clothing of Jesus, and she was all better. Eric looked, and he said, no, girl, kids, there's no, there's no such story in the Bible. Well, that had been their lesson last Sunday. <laughs> he said, there's no such story in the Bible. And he looked up at his wife, and she said, yes, there is. Laura said, yes, there is. You know, this father said, girls, you know, you know a lot, I know a lot about a lot of areas, but you're teaching me about the Bible. Yeah, God's at work in big things, like what happened at Asbury with the Chosen. He gets his campaign to Mar Hamlin, the Jesus Revolution, so many ways with Adventure Weeks Plus. But that's God at work with a dad and his kids. When the world seems more uncertain, that's the time you look for God's hand. God is at 
work. When he's stirring stuff up, look for the hand of God, the clarity of his hand in the disorienting certainty of our world. Secondly, open the eyes of your heart to the anguish of other people. It says here, when he saw the crowds. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw those people different than anybody else. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering around. He saw that inside they were harassed, stirred up. They were all churned. They were disoriented. They were anxious. He saw these crowds who were coming out because healings were occurring. Good news was being preached, and they don't understand. They're not getting it. Now, he could have said, I don't know why you people aren't getting this. I sent all kinds of prophets to tell about my coming, and you should know. Instead, he's moved with compassion. We need to open the eyes of our heart to see the anguish of other people. One of my favorite phrases that's been used in the He Gets Us campaign is a little statement, Jesus loves the people you hate. So the people you've had harsh conversations with, political disagreements with, the people who just really irritate you, rub you the wrong way, the conversations you've had with your children and grandchildren and your parents and grandparents, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, coworkers. We need to start seeing those people with the eyes of Jesus. See others as Jesus sees them. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't even know how Jesus sees other people. Let me tell you, he sees everyone the way he sees you. He sees the stuff going on in your heart that's so disorienting, the anxiety, whether it's right now or it's something you deal with regularly. He knows the brokenness of your life. He knows the hurts and pains and sins of your past. And Jesus says, I died on the cross, was buried, and was raised so you could have a relationship with me. I love you. He sees you and loves you. You say, oh, but I've done this, I've done that. I've come back to Jesus too many times. He loves you for who you are as you are, and you can come to Jesus as your Savior. If I can help you, I'll be in the lobby. Our care team's down front if they can help you. You can text the name Jesus to the number 58568 if you're in the room or online and you're saying, I need Jesus. I need to come to Jesus today. He sees you as you are. Even the things you think disqualify you or would make you unlovely to him, he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Put your faith in Christ. Reach out to us. Let us know so we can walk with you. We, as the followers of Christ, need to see people like Jesus sees people. I want to just say thank you to all of you who work in our outreach ministries like Angel Threads and Fresh Market and Food Pantry, those of you who work in our care ministry as care partners, as chaplains who visit folks in the hospital and visit shut-ins. I want to say thank you to all of you who visit people who are obviously in anguish and are going through tough stuff in their lives. Thank you to those of you who serve on the bereavement team. Those of you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I heard a story recently that reminded me of a season in my own life. I think, don't you think... When you think of anguish and people, don't you think anybody in middle school is in anguish? Do <laughs> you remember that, 12 to 14? You want to talk about stuff going on on the inside, trying to figure out who you are, what's going on. Talk about peer pressure and stuff on the outside that you're facing. I, I think middle school is a tough season. Those are kids with anguish. Let me tell you about a kid who showed up at Calvary in 1996. A kid named Jeremy Binge. Jeremy Benge ended up here in our middle school. His parents had divorced when he was three. His home was marked by alcoholism and drug addiction. 
verbal and physical abuse. He showed up as a middle schooler with all that. He was a person with anguish. And he talks about how Ramon Sanchez, John Nungaster, Jason McMaster, J.D. Lasky, and others looked at him and saw him through the eyes of Jesus and helped him in his walk with Christ. As a matter of fact, J.D. became his small group leader. If you know J.D., he's been leading small groups of teenage guys for almost 30 years. This is 1996. Jeremy was in the first small group of teenage guys that J.D. ever led. Here's a picture of Jeremy back then uh, and Jeremy's on the far right in the white T-shirt with red trim, and, and J.D.'s on the far left, and J.D. is still leading, 30, almost 30 years later, young men in small groups and pointing their hearts toward Jesus. The fella in the black shirt and the white jacket is a man named Amadeus, who is, has been one of our ministry partners in Germany. He was here doing an internship at the time. The kid in the orange is a kid named Matt, he was there too, being ministered to in that season of anguish. He's now a pastor in Northern California. Jeremy speaks with great words about how people saw him as Jesus saw him. Let me tell you more about Jeremy. Here's Jeremy and his family today. Here's Jeremy and his family today, his wife Ashley, his daughter, his daughter uh, Hannah and uh, uh, Kaylee, and um, Jeremy might be familiar to you because he often plays the bass on the stage here. He plays the bass in middle school every week. He plays the bass for VBS, for our Camp 54, for our young adults last Thursday night. He played when he's needed. He serves. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something really unique he does. He knew how much that ministry meant to him in middle school in that season of anguish. He now leads a small group of middle school guys. Do you see people the way Jesus sees people? Do I see people the way Jesus sees people? He was moved with compassion. He saw the anxiety of their hearts. I'm telling you, the people that irritate you the most, that are on the other side on issues that are very important to you, Jesus loves them as much as he loves you, and he sees them with eyes and heart of compassion. Open your eyes of your heart to the anguish of other people. Thirdly, be the answer. Be the answer to your prayers as you pray for more resources. Jesus says here to his disciples as he sees these folks like sheep without a shepherd, he says, then it says in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I've been trying to tell you for two weeks. The opportunities for us as a church is huge. The group, age group that's growing the fastest as a church for us is this group you saw here, little children and their families. What an opportunity for us. We need to pray for the resources. Ask the Lord of the harvest, the Holy Spirit, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. And again, the disciples in chapter 10 become the answer to their own prayer as they go out. When they go out, Jesus said, it's not gonna be easy when you, you become an answer to this prayer. He said, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do the same thing I've been doing. And guys, guess what? The religious leaders are gonna bring you into the synagogue and beat you as you go from town to town. And oh, the Romans, they're gonna bring you down to city hall and beat you because God's gonna be stirring stuff up through you. The fellas pray, the Lord of the harvest, pray that you might be a prayer for God's resources. Last week, a lady came out of the service and she said, I hear what you're saying. She had tears in her eyes after the Saturday night service. I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but what can I do? What can I do? 
I trust that you got one of those little cards that we had. If you didn't get one of those cards, the Next Step card, you can scan that on the armchair next to you. You'll see on here opportunities if you want to receive Christ, opportunities to engage in growing in God's word. You see some of our core values here in our 2030 vision. And you can respond. I want you to take that card out or scan uh, that QR code and go to the Next Step card as it's listed there in that QR code. And I want you just to start praying as I speak to you in these next few moments about us praying, Lord, provide the resources. I told you, God raises the opportunities for Christ and his kingdom before he gives the resources. Why? So that people like me and people like you and we as a church together will walk by faith and trust God. And it will step into the harvest that he calls us to step into. How will God answer your prayer? Well, he'll have you invest your time. Ask yourself, how much time do I spend serving Jesus? How much time do I invest in ministering through my local church to the next generation, to other adults, to, to people who are hurting in our local community, to people who are hurting in our church body, to, to the needs of others? Secondly, he'll have you invest your abilities and gifts. He'll have you invest. Everybody's got abilities that we get, natural abilities we have, and spiritual gifts that God gives us. And 1 Peter 4, uh, 10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Are you using your gifts and abilities, the shape God has given you, the life experience he's given you? Some of you maybe once were really engaged here at Calvary or another church. Maybe during COVID, you said, oh, you know, I kind of like this not showing up with some responsibility. I'll tell you what, with the opportunities that are coming our way, we need everybody in. We need everybody serving. Someone has put it this way, the measure of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many people he serves. People will say to me sometimes, I love this church, it's like full service for my family which is great, and I know when people come from places of hurting and they're going through some stuff, it's heavy-hearted, they need seasons to sit and soak and grow, I get it. Are you coming from a church maybe where things, something happened and you ended up here and you need time? I get it, but don't let Satan cause you to sit, sit too long and soak. Get up and serve. Use the abilities and gifts God's given you. We're at a place, folks who work in our parking lot, our greeters and ushers, they do a great job. You might have seen our new welcome tent because if we've had 4,000 new people that got in the database that's come through, plus maybe another four or 5,000 have come through in the last year, we need to be a welcoming people in Jesus' name. And so we can use more folks to help us in our hospitality ministries, in our children's ministries. Of course, when it comes to kids, we screen folks. And maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now about the fact that you need to engage Maybe you're blaming me. Oh, Sean, you're on this again. Oh, man, you pastors. If you're uncomfortable, it may not be me. It may be the Holy Spirit. It may be the Holy Spirit. Look at this card. There are opportunities for you to get in Bible studies and small groups to serve. As a matter of fact, late in the week, we said, you know what? We should put one on here. And if you look at the back of the card, it says, I would like to speak with someone about how to be involved. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, about how to be an answer to what can I do, and he's saying something to you, it's not on this card, don't use this card as your excuse. Oh, they didn't have the right box for me. <laughs> Matter of fact, we even thought, what if they don't get it there? Well, then let's put other at the bottom. <laughs> 
In a minute when we close with a song, you'll be able to put these in these next step cards. You can fill them out online again. We're sorry we ran out of these. More folks attending this weekend than we expected, which again, this is what I'm telling you. The opportunities are coming our way. The fields are wide into harvest. But you can slip it in one of these boxes, do it online. But take that card out right now. Scan that and just say, okay, God, what can I do? Thank you to those of you who are already serving. I'm not asking if you're serving and maybe you're serving in multiple places. I'm not asking you to do any more if you're fully engaged. But maybe God's speaking to you. What can I do with my gifts, my talents? Thirdly, he will have you invest your money. He'll have you invest your money. I know you don't like me talking about money. People don't like me talking about money or sex. They don't like pastors talking about money or sex in the pulpit. But the thing we counsel people the most about from between Sundays when they reach out to us, it's money and sex. What we do in investing in God's ministry with our finances is a part of this. These guys would be an answer to their own prayer and bring their own resources. He even told them as they go out in chapter 10, use your own resources for the harvest. As you go, guys. The old preachers used to say, we should give according to our income, lest God make our income according to our giving. <laughs> Can I tell you the story of some dear folks who are now with Jesus, Larry and Sally Parks? Larry and Sally Parks are both with Jesus now. Larry went to be with the Lord. Some of you may remember him as a doctor here in the community. Maybe he was your doctor. But he went to be with Jesus in October of 2020 because of the, it was still part of the height of the pandemic, uh, they were only able to do a graveside. A number of us were there. Just a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, his wife Sally stepped into the presence of Jesus. And the family decided that this coming Friday, they're gonna do a memorial for Larry and Sally here in this room at 10 a.m. to celebrate their lives in a joint memorial for the two of them. It's very fitting. You see, Larry and Sally Parks were a part of a church here in Thousand Oaks. Just when this area began to boom and God was stirring stuff up here, they were part of a little church that was struggling. And I see some other folks in the room, the Hoovers and others, who were part of that little church that was struggling. And, and Larry was a leader, and, and he and others said, we need to do something. God's stirring up this area. People are moving. There's a, there's a growth boom here. We need to reach these young families for Jesus. And so they connected. God connected them with a pastor in Fort Wayne, Indiana, named Larry DeWitt and his wife Becky. The parks took out a second mortgage and other families put money in to say, come, we can't really afford you, but come and we will be all in to see what God's gonna do in this area where he's stirring stuff up. Larry and Becky came by faith. That little church came to a conclusion and they launched a new church in 1976 called Calvary Community Church. And Larry and Sally have given of their time, their abilities. He served as an elder. He taught classes. They were involved in small groups and Bible studies. Sally, as a matter of fact, counted the offerings. Even in that old little church, she counted the offerings on Monday morning, and Sally faithfully served and counted the offerings on Sunday morning as a part of the counting team until COVID. These two are giants here at Calvary, and I want to say there are many others, many other families who've seen their loved ones step into the presence of Jesus who've been apart. I see Ellen Wooden down here and her family, and her dear husband Gary went to be with Jesus this week, and we've been praying for you guys. And um, the Whittens have been a part of Calvary for decades, been given of themselves to ministry. 
Larry and Sally and others, we stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, the family, as they were going through things, found something that Sally had written, and I want to read this to you. This is what Sally had written as she was going to teach a class in 1993 about their own personal giving to God's work. And I want to do, these are Sally's words that were discovered in her stuff by her family that they shared with us. Sally writes to this class she was teaching 30 years ago this year. This is her manuscript, a part of it. I can remember the payday. Larry came home with his check from the hospital and said, Larry being a resident doctor at the time, we are going to give 10% of my pay from now on. The figure of $40 sticks out in my mind, so that was probably during his second year of residency. That was 10% of one month's pay, not one week's. We had no savings, we had, no, we had three kids, one car, we had borrowed $1,000 and bought an old rundown house. Each month we gave our money to the Lord by way of the local church we were attending. An example of how God provided was one night when I got up to feed our new baby, I turned on a small electric heater and it was, pretty cold. it was a pretty cold night. The heater refused to work. When we got up the next morning, there was no electricity. We called the electric company. Two men came and looked at the fuse box. They called us over to show us it had melted and needed to be replaced. They said the house could have caught on fire. They also said we would have, have to call an electrician to put in a new one. We had no money. It was Sunday morning. One of them said, wait, we have one in the truck we took out of a place the other day. We'll put it in for you. They did. The cost? Nothing. God protected and God provided. What am I really trying to say to you, as Sally is teaching this class, if you'll be serious about giving regularly, God will bless you and you'll be able to get through. It's interesting to see how God works. She says, I've always loved the story of the wealthy businessman R.G. Letourneau. He was a man who trusted God to run his business and ended up giving 90% of his income to God and keeping 10% for himself. I don't think we should stop at 10%, but should try to increase our giving if the Lord leads. Sally says, a few years ago I quit my job. I had it all figured out that we shouldn't suffer too much, even though I was making close to $30,000 a year. That's 30 years ago she's talking. And our giving could continue to the church as it had been. We contribute to the support of missionaries besides giving to Calvary. Well, as you know, the medical profession seems to be going through a change, and therefore Larry's income took a drop. I hadn't planned on that. Well, would you believe God took care of all our needs? We gave even a larger percentage to God's work than we'd ever done before. We continue to support the missionaries and have made a commitment to the building campaign on top of, in addition to, our regular giving to Calvary. There are other ways to give in addition to money. It's necessary to find a way to give to God's work. And then she concludes this little talk with this. What are the rewards of giving like this, she says? Number one, you'll be rich in love. Number two, you'll be rich in friends. Number three, you'll be rich in help. Number four, you'll be rich toward God. These are the words of someone on whose shoulders we stand today. Because of the faithfulness of folks like Larry and Sally Parks, Jeremy Binge was reached and is now reaching middle schoolers. Bible buddies are in homes where children are telling Bible stories to their parents, to their dads. There are opportunities coming our way that we really don't have the resources for. Some people have asked me, are we in financial crisis? No, I'm, I, I, we've, we're paying our bills and we'll keep paying our bills, but we see concern. That's why we've raised that the realities are there's concern with the headwinds we're facing. And we think that as we've seen a softening in giving in the first part of the year, we, we need to be concerned and make appropriate. But the resources are needed because the opportunities are skyrocketing. 
And I think about Larry and Sally. I think it's something Randy Alcorn said that I think is true and sums up their life. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I think Jesus welcomed them into his presence and said, well done, good and faithful servants. Lives have been changed for all eternity because of you. Enter into your reward. And as your pastor, can I say, who's going to fill their shoes? Who's going to say, I'm in with my time. I'm in with my special, special gifts that God has given me and spiritual gifts and abilities he's given me. I'm in. I'm in with my resources. Maybe that means you start giving and you've never given before. Maybe that means you give a one-time gift. Maybe that means you give recurring because you've been so sporadic. I don't know what it means, and I don't need to know. I don't know what people give. That's between you and God. Again, if you're upset with me, it might be that God's telling you you need to re-examine your engagement with God's family. I'm telling you this, though. We need to be praying the Lord of the harvest because the, the harvest is plentiful and it's white under harvest. You see, Gary, or excuse me, God calls us to be fully engaged in what he is stirring up so that he can stir up even more stuff for Christ through us. He's, God calls us to be fully engaged in what he's stirring up so that he can stir up even more stuff for Christ through us. If God's stirring stuff up in your life and in our world, how do we respond? Look for the clarity of his hand in the uncertainty of the world. God is at work. Open the eyes of your heart to the anguish of other people. See others as Jesus sees them. Be the answer to your own prayers as you pray for more resources. Be honest before God as you look at this card and you fill it out and turn it in at the end of the service. Be honest and say, Lord, what can I do with my time, my abilities and gifts and my financial resources to meet the needs and the opportunities you're bringing our way as a church family. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for folks like Larry and Sally, Gary and so many others who are now in your presence and here, well done. We pray your comfort for family and friends this side of eternity. Thank you that we get to celebrate Larry and Sally this week. And Lord, if there are folks here, maybe don't even know them, but are blessed because of the ministries of Calvary over the years, they'd have the time to show up to just celebrate these dear saints. May they do so. Father, I pray for your continued provision. I know that you will bring the resources because you don't bring opportunities without providing, but you do it through us as we listen to your spirit. Raise up people to serve. Raise up people to use their gifts. Raise up people to give financially. May your spirit work in my life in these areas. May you work in all of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.